0: Welcome to the London Horror Movie Club. I'm horror writer Lauren Jane Barnett.
1: And I'm Chris Sapkowski, Lauren's older brother, and I've been watching horror movies since I was eight.
0: Join us as we talk about the wild, weird, and wonderful horror films set in England's eerie capital. Welcome back, everyone, to our countdown to Halloween. Joining us for a chat today is editor and director of photography, Andy Boothby. He shot a huge range of films. I've been very lucky to be working with him. But he goes from anything like very artistic black lizard tales to segments in anthology films, including the Valentine's segment of Deed of the Dead Presents Holiday Horrors, which just recently debuted on Amazon. Andy, thank you so much for coming on today.
2: Thank you for having me. I'll just knock something off the table. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, thanks for having me, guys.
0: It's so great to have you. And I know that your visual is kind of giving this away, but I wanted to start because we have a really mixed audience, some of whom are new to the <laughs> world of cinema. I was hoping you'd tell us a bit more about what you do as a director of photography.
2: Um, My job as a director of photography is to deal with all the visuals. So everything you see on the screen, how it looks, the aesthetic, the style, the sort of the, the way you engage with it is kind of stems from a conversation with the director and myself. And so a lot of what you see on screen, whether or not it's in focus, whether or not it's lit or not, it's you know it's down to what you decide to show on the screen.
0: I love that. So I that's don't...
2: what I do. <laughs> <laughs> but primarily in um, horror films or surreal, weird films. Are generally, my forte.
0: I love that very sort of like visual description. I, I, I have to ask. Following immediately on that, then, when you have this conversation with you and the director, how much of it is just faith in you?
2: Um, you'd have to ask the director that. <laughs> um. <laughs> it totally i mean it's that's a good question a lot of it is there's a lot of a faith in each other i try to have a lot as many conversations about what they want sort of what references they're thinking what sort of movies have inspired them to make this movie and then i try and watch a lot of stuff if i haven't seen what they what they're interested in what they're going for try and develop an almost a um visual book of reference images of what they're going for and often with um alex churchyard who did videos really of towers of terror um sort of wrap around for videos really of terror one and for two with um it's often exchanging lots of um images and talking about what sort of films have inspired it and then sort of with him we'll turn up with like the set May, he may have built the set himself and so he's an idea of how he he wants it to be lit. Or I may come in and go, This is how I think we should do it. We'll chat, we'll do that. And then um he'll he'll either have a um like a shot list or have like a vague idea of what he wants and then he leaves it kind of up to me which sort of lenses we we'll discuss what sort of lenses we should use, a like 35, 50 mil, eighty-five um which lenses we might be using or even what camera depending upon what sort of style we're going so it's more of a collaboration with a lot of work with tony it's very much i'd say there's a lot of faith from tony to me whether it's earned or not i don't know but that stems from a lot of conversations over the many years i've known him now i think with witches of the sands i think we've been working on it for Three years, and the sort of visual style from that has stemmed from many conversations and many films of his that I've watched, like the Witchfinder general scene that we shot at um, with Culver and in the sea. Um, That was me watching the Witchfinder general, us talking about it, talking about the style we're going for, and then would get there, and then he leaves me to completely, for the most part, alone to do what we've discussed. And then there's some people who know exactly what they want to do, They'll have a storyboard. They come along with not quite the lighting setup they want, but they come along with photographs or stills on an iPad or printed off. And it's like, I want this. And I want these exact shots and these exact framings. And then there's like no, and then you can work, have to, when you work within that. that is a real variation on working with different people. So it changes upon the needs of the project and the person you're collaborating with
1: do you have certain movies that you that are kind of the foundation like where you're like that's the perfect movie like director of photography wise like do you did you always gravitate with to how the the films looked or was that something that it just kind of grew over time was there one that struck you more than others
2: um so you asking about is there one sort of film that's inspired me for visually yeah I, i'm no, no, not not in the way you may be thinking. It's more of what is, for the individual project, is what are we trying to achieve? Okay. But like, what is the audience meant to get from these scenes or from this film? And then I gravitate towards stuff that works so for that. But what kind of got me into cinematography or lighting was mostly by chance. Um, I needed more money. <laughs> um, um. and somebody said to me if you buy a camera I can sort you out with some work and then it sort of stemmed from there So stemmed from the necessity and opportunity okay. so there's not really any film that particularly has inspired me into this direction but there are some films that you know have inspired me in general as a filmmaker more than just a one set area
0: oh what are they? What? Oh
2: Christ! Um, um, big films like Evil Dead Two. Like that's just showed me that films, filmmaking can be quite accessible. Really, that's kind of what it showed me. Even though they had a few hundred thousand pounds or however much they had, which is more than sort of budgets I'm working in, they showed that you essentially just need a camera, some people know how to light stuff, and you can just go for it and create something crazy and unique. I would say that film has quite Inspired me visually. The sort of all the sort of striking visuals, more with a camera work, you know, when the um, either dead are like going through the woods, and I don't know if they're running through the woods with a camera or they're on some sort of dolly. Um, but that was one of the first images that so kind of s- stood out as something that was what, what's this, what are they doing here? This is first thing that took me out of a film to realize this is how films are constructed so that's probably, probably be your answer what movies inspired me to, to, be, to do cinematography
0: and and then why horror films horror is such a specific genre
2: um that was quite a conscious decision when in my early 20s um i wanted to the budgets are far more accessible you can achieve a lot with very little money if you know how, to, if you know what you want, what's the limitations you have, both in budget, in like uh, time, and where you're filming. Because I noticed what a lot of horror movies that, especially the low budget stuff, that if you can be really creative, you can get away with anything really. You can make a film look look worth a lot more money than if you shot something like a soap opera or something like drama movie. That quite visually boring, mm. like very naturalistic lighting, which is fantastic if actually think even horrors do that, but you can be creative that's what really weird room is. You can be creative, you can do weird, and wonderful lighting, you know more argento sort of lighting. you can get really creative with editing, like in um in rabbit, which I know you haven't seen yet, um but there's a segment in there where it's. It's very abstract, very quite surreal. But there's elements in it where it's just if this wasn't a horror movie and you were just trying to do something horrific horrific in a drama, it wouldn't work because it's quite non-linear. And it kind of quite like montage, like a old style sort of I'm trying to say, like Soviet montages of images coming together. the entire idea is less to do with continuity or with what makes necessarily logical sense although Soviet films do it's all about the rhythm and the flow and the emotional resonance you get from that so you've got these images of this guy being stoned and it starts off quite slow might be a good chance you're Tony and James are up for it. we can slow that part of the movie but um essentially starts off quite nice and slow and then rhythmically it builds, builds up pace and you sort of Get this feeling of you are inside this dude's headspace. This guy's being stoned alive. You sort of get absorbed into it. Which, if you edited it in a more traditional manner, which wouldn't normally be as-, as accessible in other genres, you wouldn't be able to get that same experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why not? You can experiment <coughs> and be weird. You don't have to worry <coughs> about following convention, as long as it, as long as it feels justified within the world of the film. You can get away with it so, so really you
1: can tell multiple stories in one film depending on how the it's set up and shot
2: yeah yeah
1: that's, that's pretty that's no, pretty interesting i mean I, I don't i'm so far removed from the world of, of filmmaking and, and all of that and so i i was happy that lauren asked that question like what what does that do because i can google it but to get kind of the first-hand definition of that that's that's pretty interesting, and I guess it does really lie on the fact that you have to work well with the director. You have to know what they they're they're trying to do as well, because you could be telling a story one way, and they're trying to tell it a completely different way.
2: Yeah, yeah, you got to. You don't necessarily have to always be on the same page, but you have to have the vision, the director's vision, in mind. There's many different ways to skin a cat, but. You know, finding the best way that works. Sometimes the director knows exactly what they want, but it doesn't quite get them what they're going for. And it helps to have someone who thinks very differently. It gets the core idea of what you're going for. They can attack it from another angle.
0: You do a lot of editing as well. I know. Does that easier when you're the the director of photography because you kind of knew what you're going for, and so you can use that in the edit, or is it actually you need two different hats?
2: Um, I think it's good to have two different hats for the film in general, just for more, because you get to, um... the way I shoot, if I'm editing, is very different to if I'm shooting for somebody else to edit, because I can take more risks, so I know what I can do in post and how it's going to be put together, mm-hmm. whereas if I shoot in the same way, but somebody else is editing it, they won't think like me, and they will be like, "What the fuck is this guy shot? Like, none <laughs> of this makes sense. It's not as sort of as a traditional way. Yeah, it does change. I always prefer to have somebody else edit stuff I shoot, just because they have they can bring something new to the table. You know, I've told, I've given everything I've got through the cinematography. We've kind of with editing in mind, whether or not I'm editing or not. But it's the idea that more people. At the table you can generally produce a better piece of work more coherent and you know it's just nice mm-hmm. to move on to a different project you. Gotcha. No. what's it what's a good like do you have a specific
1: time of day you'd rather shoot i know sometimes movies get shot at hours based on location availability or you know you see a lot of times when we're filming at night is there for lighting and for the setup of director of photography, like, do you do you prefer a certain time over a different time in the shooting schedule?
2: Um, I like shooting inside a studio or inside of a building where there's, okay. where you can control the lights. Um, gotcha. It's quite hard. It's not hard to shoot outside, but there's a lot of varying factors. The sun is constantly moving throughout the day. So depending upon what time of day you're shooting at, you can, the shadow can be on a different side. Like, um, yeah, like right now the sun, like this main source of light here, is coming over here. But in six hours time, the light, main light can come from this way, so all the shadows are going to look different. So if you're shooting outdoors, you've got a really short period, unless you decide with director, producer and everybody, that you don't care about the contin- continuity of lights. You kind of got about half hour to an hour to shoot every scene, um, or you have to come back the next day to get the exact same time. But outdoors, it's it can even vary within an hour of the light because you could get clouds coming over, it could then be really bright. So, outdoors, so my favorite time of day would be the time that we're inside away from <laughs> the light. Yeah, I, love that. I was quite happy you want to
1: produce it. the light, I got gotcha. <laughs> you. Yeah.
2: I really like shooting Rabbit. Rabbit was a fun challenge because we were filming in the woods. And whilst the light did move throughout the day, because it's quite an abstract shoot that didn't matter too much, but we kind of shot it in segments. So so, um, we saw it like a bit before the stoning, the stoning, but then the increasing bloodying and gory effects Throughout the kind of certain blocks, so the light is consistent within that small segment. So the light moving didn't really matter so much. But I was able to, um, as we were shooting through trees, we get like this dapple effect where the lights was coming through the trees, having all this like light breaking up. It was fantastic any time of day that because the really strong light, and it was just ended up looking quite beautiful. Nighttime is a really difficult time to film especially if you're outdoors because if you haven't got a generator you're relying on batteries and that's quite stressful um very stressful i think most um cinematographers dops would say that's one of their most difficult challenges if filming in the woods or outdoors at night particularly the woods because you you know you're relying on batteries generator and whilst you do have control of all the lights you've got to have some really powerful lights to get something quite Decent. But yeah, favorite time of day, golden hour, though. <laughs> it's called <laughs> so like, that for a reason. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's beautiful light. It's nice and it's quite soft and it's got this lovely glow. There's a movie I want to shoot next year. I was going to shoot it this year, but um, schedules didn't line up, where all of it is um, set essentially at that golden hour. So it's oh, sorry, about 30 minutes of the movie is set at Golden Hour. Like 30 minutes of 90 minutes. And basically you get like half hour, hour a day to get this one, you know, to get this footage down. So it's going to take a few weeks to get it down. You've really got to know the dialogue. It's a very heavy dialogue film. It's kind of inspired by, um, not inspired, but influenced by like Before Sunset that trilogy of movies with Richard later films because I absolutely absolutely love those. They're all like outdoors, beautiful locations, Paris, Greece, um, and it's just that's all outdoors and that's a lot of it's just shot of in real time as well. So he has to shoot at the same time. I don't know how they did it, but probably had to shoot things quite fast, and they rehearsed a hell of a lot. But yeah, so it's a Golden Hour, favourite time of the day it's otherwise indoors. <laughs> gotcha.
0: The film that you're planning on shooting, the one that has a significant segment in uh, Golden Hour, I think I, that we might have talked about this before, is, it's one that you've written, isn't it?
2: Yes. Uh, it's called a... Let's get this right. A Tale of Canterbury. It's like a, a post-divorce film where essentially a divorced couple... Still maintain their friendship, and there's the main characters. Uh, one of the main characters, child has died, and they're sort of helping each other. or she's helping him go through this tragic phase, and it's sort of that's something that's not really seen too much in the film. One of the few things I've seen it kind of done in is, you know, how do you get on with life when you with someone you spent most of your life with or part of your life with like the TV show, um, The Orville, they're two main characters. Then one of them, they're like ex-couple, like they were married for long years. And then, you know, they've got to work together. And how do they do that? That's quite an interesting thing for me to mm. explore. Like my parents divorced, kind of not inspired by them, but kind of got the idea from that. And it's quite an interesting area. That's that great I really cool. want to explore.
1: Is this your first foray into uh into writing a, a film or have you written other films as well? I apologize it, I don't will have be, an answer.
2: it will be the the first feature length that I've written and directed. I want to get someone else to do up here um I've got somebody in mind and somebody else to edit it which I'm still trying to find the right person for it um, but there's loads hundreds and hundreds of films, short films, that I've made over the years, um, usually in collaboration with people because I started making movies. when I was like 15 with my friends from school. Like on Saturday afternoon, we'd go to Brompton Woods um, and just come up with film on the spot, pretty much right. scene by scene, most from horrors involving killing people and just doing weird stuff that we think is funny. <laughs> so that's probably racks it up into hundreds a short a film a couple of months ago, a short film called Dunes of Desolation from my friend Mikhail and Gressner. Um, Georgie, Pierce and Vicky. Um, the last three people were the actors in it. And that was a movie made in 24 hours. We had me and Mike um, wanted to take three days off and just hang out and sit in a tent for three days, basically. And then somehow we'd decided let's make a movie (laughs) let's just (laughs) we figure out the day before and then we'll just shoot it the next day so we saw um so I came up with like we had a conversation I wrote like a two-page monologue which Georgie one of the actresses had to mostly had to memorize which was a crazy feat I can't memorize anything um and then we came up with the story in about two hours sitting on the beach, and then the next day, in about eight hours, we shot the entire thing from start to finish. Wow. In the sun, I ended up having heat stroke. Um, we shot in um, you know, canvas sand and like the, in the dunes there. Wow, hence, that's why we call it Dunes of Desolation because we just wanted it. You don't see the beach, you don't see other people, it's one of this little isolating space. We've got a big odd fascination with making movies quite fast and just getting the story out and sort of heavy improv but I'm quite a big fan of and just making it
0: holy cow and how long then does the back end of that take once it's once it's sort of done how long do you think it'll take till people can see it
2: oh to see it um it's doing festivals at the moment um oh my god festivals (laughs) it's played at it's played at a couple already I do believe um I've no idea.
0: <laughs> um when it's
2: doing festivals people stop accepting it I guess. We ha- We just did it for fun.
0: I was just thinking how amazingly fast like on the one hand saying you can shoot something in a day that's super ambitious but you sort of can wrap your head around it turning it into like a movie that people can screen that seems crazy fast to be in festivals already.
2: Yeah, I think it's um it would have been out faster. Um, I think the turnaround for it was, say it was a Tuesday, we came up with the idea, Wednesday we saw it, and then about three weeks later, it the edit was finished. And I think the edit took about wow. 10, 12 hours, something like that, which was probably longer than filming and coming up with the idea.
1: <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> That's great. Uh,
2: like um, fast filming, um, Black Lizard's Towels was shot in about nine days, um, nine half days, and Katernika, a James Newton film, which I think you've both seen, was shot in like five or six half days.
0: For our listeners doing this hollow week of interviews, James's interview is going to be tomorrow. So tune in. We talk about Katernica. That is, it's really ironic because, and I don't want to like spoiler alert our own interview, he talks about how slow his process is. So that sounds so fast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's, a... <laughs> yeah, about the post the production on that was a nightmare um we faced so many technical problems that it just really and other problems that just really slowed it down
1: huh.
2: um like shooting it was quick i don't know how long it took it to write it but um yeah it took a year longer to edit than initially planned
0: oh wow oh wow is that something that can happen really easily in films
2: yeah um yeah very easily um if you face some technical problems or you just can't get like particular scenes to work, like they that didn't happen in this movie, but in Black Lizard's Towers, there's a few scenes where we couldn't get it to work, so we had to just not scrap it all, but basically start from the beginning and just make it work somehow. Um, I think it was, um, I want to say Tony's death scene, I think that took about five different edits to get it to work. The one where, um, it sounds like you're in this headspace where everything's quite deafened and you sort of hear these like dry fuds when he's smacked you know for for full impact but the first cut was quite a brutal one where you could hear the foot on wax it was edited in quite a traditional way but it just wasn't working and then we just kept doing different edits and edits and different versions and revisions and then eventually we've got something that we're quite happy with but yeah post-production can take a long time
1: <laughs> yeah that's crazy you've got to like to be able to put a puzzle together though right try to figure out what what the best way to go about it is so yeah, yeah i guess you have to look like at that
2: <laughs> yeah editing is like doing like a a, a four a four dimensional puzzle um where you've got like you've got a normal puzzle Um, and then you've got time as well with all these images you're putting together one after another like you have a different image in front of somebody like if you have the the classic um, you have someone with like an empty glass a traditional empty glass then you have somebody's face and then you have like what am I going for here This is one of the basic things of editing Um, was this a
0: continuity issue you were talking (laughs) about
2: I don't, I don't know, I don't know where I'm <laughs> going with that one. Um, the point being, you can drive depending on the sequence of images, you can change the meaning completely. Mm-hmm. Like, but you have the same image of a face next to an empty bowl, and it looks like a guy's hungry, but, and his face is quite neutral. but you have a picture of the face, and then you have a bunch of children playing on a beach. It looks like he's happy about his kids having a play, like. The order it can make a massive difference. Okay. So it is like a big old jigsaw puzzle. Which is what yeah. I love about love and hate about editing is there's <laughs> infinite combination of possibilities. You just got, a gut, and a lot of the time it's just your gut that tells you whether or not it works or not. There's there's like intellectual things you can do to make things work, but you just know it in your gut if something's working or not.
1: Very interesting. So do you critic, like not criticize is not the right word. When you watch other films, do you do you question the editors in certain instances? Do you say, wow, why would you have done it this way?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I can be quite critical. I'm not as, I used to be quite brutal with my criticism, but I'll, I've calmed down my, the last 10 years. Um, but I, if I see something really awesome, something cut in a really interesting way, I tend to rewind it and we'll watch it back about ten times in a row, which is great if you're by yourself. But if you're with somebody else, they <laughs> they fucking hate you for <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, do you, Do you have an example off the top of your head of one of those those films where you ended up rewatching and rewatching a scene?
2: Um, The Great Gatsby. Oh, which one? Um, the latest one. Um, there's a sequence. In there I'm trying to remember, I haven't seen it for years. Um there's a sequence in there where there's lots of people in different rooms of a house. Mm -hmm. And um there's the way it's cut together. That's not the best example really. (laughs) (laughs) They don't really remember it. Uh,
0: We'll have to send people over to watch the movie now. You can you can try and figure it out.
2: Yeah, it's a two and a half hour movie and and get back and get back to me on Instagram (laughs) whether or not You figured it out. First person to get it will win 10 pounds. Oh, there you go. Oh
0: my God. That might be the most valuable prize we've had on the (laughs) (laughs) legends.
1: We're moving up in the world for sure. Yeah. (laughs) For us American listeners, that's like 1850. Like we're we're doing well.
0: (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. I
1: mean, so I want to. Oh, sorry. No, go go for it. I want to take it back go backwards a little bit in your career because you said that you were uh when you were like fifteen you were making movies with your friends. What was the first horror movie that you watched that that kind of got you into that world? Like that that really grasped a hold of you and then made you a horror fan?
2: Um it was kind of it was initially zombie movies, but I did in my head they weren't horror movies. They were just zombie movies. this entire zombie Completely irrelevant, completely separate to um, horror, but it was um, Night of the Living Dead. Um, I caught it on a TV where I grew up. I think I must have been like thirteen. But we had a three-story house, and on the middle floor, um, we had a room that used to be my sister's. She went off to university, so I used to move for TV to be in front of a doorway, and then down the corridor was the bathroom, so I could watch. So I could watch the film in then, and I needed to run off. I could go do my business, and then watch what's in the film. <laughs> and one of them was Night of Living Dead. It was just halfway through. I didn't know what it was until years later. Um, and I was just completely en- engrossed. And then I fell in love with Dawn of the Dead. Didn't know they were linked at all. And then I saw Day of the Dead, and then I started linking it all up. But it wasn't until I was, like, 20... I actually got into horror movies. Before that, I didn't like, it, I don't like them at all. I didn't see the point of them. I was like, why does anybody want to be scared? Like, we've evolved to experience this negative emotion of fear. Why do I want to start living that? And then uh, I was obviously completely wrong because I <laughs> love horror movies now. But it was um, one of the Amityville horror movies one of the Amityville movies, and I think it was a 2005 one, I must have saw in 2008, 2009. I was showed that, I fell asleep during it, and kept waking up, but I was just exhausted, but I, I loved it. I don't think it was a very good movie, but I loved it. And then I just started watching more and more horror movies. Another one was midnight, like two in the morning before school, um, came on TV, was Evil Dead 2. I didn't know what it was. All I remember was... Um, it was just gory and funny and just awesome. <laughs> but it wasn't until my early twenties that I actually get into it. Okay.
0: Nice. Do you now lean towards zombie movies still quite a lot or do you have other sort of sub genres of horror that you really love?
2: Yeah. Um my favourite uh is ghost house movies. Oh movies cool. that are set in a house and it's haunted. Haunted house movies. I don't know what it is. it is. It can't deviate too far from the traditional structure of it. Whereas there's a haunted house, you've got a, a screenwriter who's an alcoholic or he's a painter who's an alcoholic or he's like a failing musician who's an alcoholic or he's just a wine taster who's an alcoholic. And his family's moving in, they just moved into the, the house. But that. I don't know that scares the shit out of me every time. Mm. I don't, I don't know why I don't believe in ghosts, but it just gets this visceral reaction to me. Other horror movies don't really scare me. I just generally find be them quite funny. Um, if it is scary, but to, to get me scared, I've got to watch it with people. Like I could watch the same movie twice and the first time not be scared at all. Second time, even with people, I don't know why i don't know if it's if emphasizing I'm feeling empathy of other people i don't know but that just makes me more scared i guess i can hmm. relax and get into it more oh
1: interesting so uh, do you prefer going to the theater and watching movies where there's people around you or in your room where it's quiet and you could just focus on the movie both
2: both there's one particular movie which i think people should watch in the cinema i think anything else and you're denying yourself an amazing experience. It's a, have you seen A Quiet Place? Yeah. yeah, A Quiet Place. I saw that in the cinema. I wasn't expecting, I knew nothing about it. It was, I used to go to um, the cinema on Sundays or on Wednesdays during the day and I'd watch three or four movies in the day. I'd do that like once a month with my friends or for like five or seven, five to seven years did that. And one of the movies I saw was um Quiet Place. And I think that's a movie you need to see in the cinema, because when I watched it, I found that because it's really quiet in there and it's got quite a slow pace, not slow as in like negatively, but it's got a slow pace, it really builds, and everybody's really quiet, people aren't talking. Like the movie started with people like making noises and stuff. yep, and everybody just stopped eating. Yep. Like rustling, nobody really talked, and then you get to the scene in the um. So when they when people were scared, it like really emphasised like fear because everybody like made a noise in conjunction with the film. But when they got to like a moment of long silence, like when they get to the um waterfall, um the dad takes his son to the waterfall so his son can you know scream, and you got to that bit, and then everybody was just like. He's like, you can make noise now, my dad was like, and he screams. Son's scared, looks around, then screams. And the audience are just eating all their food, waiting for about 45 minutes. Was- yep. Apart <laughs> from just being an amazing movie, but I think people should watch it anyway. That's just an experience that just stuck with me. It's
1: interesting you said that, because that, I remember, I wouldn't have not thought of that, but... That was one, I'm a big popcorn person, like when I go to a movie theater and I'm like the guy that's like almost done by the time the 20 minutes of previews are done. But I remember coming home with almost a full bag of popcorn after that movie, because at some point I didn't even want to hold it because I don't want to take away from how it's supposed to be enjoyed. And like, it really was eerie to go to a movie that was almost completely full and no one's making the sound. Yeah. It was very cool.
2: Yeah, it's something that stuck with me. It was, yeah. You you should have stayed for another film and just had the popcorn in that one.
0: There you
2: <laughs> go. <laughs> you two films in a row.
1: That's it. I worked at a movie theater so when I was in high school. And so I, I used to be able to watch movies like sometimes at like midnight when it was just like you and the projectionist and like oh. making sure the movie was working right. So I, I've seen I've stayed through plenty of movies, but nowadays I don't know if I could get away with staying through two movies. I got too much going on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah well i work i'm in charge i'm responsible for the um one of the cinemas um and i wish i took more advantage of that to put on whatever film i wanted and have it as a have it to myself i wish i had more time to do that
0: oh i gotta like know now
2: opportunity
0: I got to know now, if you had had the choice and any, any film, not just what was in the library, if you had to do like a double bill, like the old fashioned ones, which two would you have put together?
2: Oh, 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 that's a hard. I don't know. Um, For me, it would probably be Day of the Dead. Like i going just be completely selfish. Just the films I love and would love to see in the cinema. It would be Day of the Dead and The Shining.
0: Okay. Oh, cool.
2: That's what I would put back to back. I don't think that's... But it has to be some sort of grindhouse movies, I think is where you'd have to go.
0: Oh, really? What kind of grindhouse movies do you like?
2: Um, that's a fucking good question. I'm not going to quickly Google it so I can remember film names. Because I am terrible with names. I don't remember anybody's names. I used to be okay, but I work at university and there's like 500 students. (laughs) And I don't remember anybody's name anymore. Names are completely irrelevant to me.
0: When we do the uh, the the movies that we do every month, I always end up having to write the actors' names down on, like, a little note on my computer because I forget after two seconds. And then, you know, somebody like Tony in the background will be just like, how did you not remember who Linnea Quigley was? And I was like, I don't know, I just couldn't remember.
1: <laughs> just like, you know, the blonde-headed girl that was in the movie the most of the time? Yeah, that <laughs> actress.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of modern films, it would have to be Hobo with a shotgun and machete.
0: Oh, okay. I don't
2: know the last twenty years.
0: Nice. I don't know the first one. Was it? did you say how to build a shotgun?
2: Hobo with a shotgun.
0: Hobo with a shotgun. With it's shotgun.
2: about a hobo, and he's got a shotgun.
0: You're kidding.
1: <laughs> no mystery there. <laughs> you that. know what you're getting when you go and see hobo with a shotgun.
0: Yes, I love that. More titles should be like that. Like a quiet place is quiet, you get what you want.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Poltergeist. We were talking about Poltergeist earlier this morning, and that's you knew what you were going to get the whole time.
0: Now, do you have any films that you watched and you liked some like aspect of the film, like the way it was shot or the sound or something, but you didn't like the film? Have you had that happen to you?
2: Um, I am a massive fan. I like the beginning bit, but I'm a massive fan of the Beyond and City of the Living Dead. But mainly the third act. Well, I enjoy everything up to there, but there's just something in those third acts, in the City of the Living Dead, when when the crypt, um, I think it's the crypt, when we're in the underground. Is just something about that. It just elevates the entire movie for me. Like, that's something that, when the music kicks in, there's got like the, dun 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 or the kick drum and then something like about just feels super special to me so that's just the, the visuals with all that's a movie that had a big influence on me a lot of the crash zooms they have like that's where, where i fell in love with the crash zoom if, if for those of you anybody who's not familiar what a crash zoom is is when you're going from like a wide and you pull the zoom and you crash right in it's like a close-up like they're super corny these days, but I, I absolutely, absolutely love it. Whenever I get the opportunity to do it, I do. It just feels lovely. basically do a lot in westerns as well. But that sequence is fantastic for that, and it kind of makes one of those things where it's all in the editing. There's a lot of close-ups of the eyes, like moving left and moving right. right like a move left, and then you see like this zombie just like appearing out of the ground, and then moving right you can see like behind them is another zombie coming out that sequence i very much love i enjoy the rest of the movie but that elevates the entire thing that could be a movie of itself as far as i'm concerned, from the third act onwards okay.
1: i'm going to ask you a question this might be the worst question you've ever heard so i apologize in advance but I find that there's a movie out there that I love the way it was shot and I almost feel more intelligent for liking this movie, so you can totally trash me when I say this, but Hereditary? Did you like that movie? Was it shot good? Or I haven't I seen Hereditary. Wrong? You have not? Okay.
2: No, it's a movie oh, I like... recommend
1: Hereditary then.
2: Everybody recommends Hereditary. And I fully intend on watching it one day. It's one of those things like I hear about it, like that sounds right up my street, but I just haven't got around to it, no particular Gosh. reason. It's on my... I've got a film list on my phone and it's on there three times, <laughs> <laughs> and there's like a six months gap between the first and the other one, there's like a year gap between it because you've got dates of when it's been added. Yeah, so I've got to watch it three times according to my phone list. <laughs>
1: but I just I had to ask because that's one of those movies that I watched and I, I enjoyed kind of all aspects of the movie and I liked the movie but the way that it was shot just was like it's not something I saw every day like it so it was it was unique to me and I thought it was really well done
2: I will have to watch that I can go on my list a fourth time yep. <laughs> well, I I'm glad you
1: have a movie list because I have a movie list on my phone as well but I tend to try to get through those as soon as everyone in my house gets to sleep because usually they're very easily accessible and like about 80 minutes long.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um am um, Neon Demon comes to mind actually. A film that I think the visually is absolutely a beautiful movie. Um it's very Have you seen Neon Demon?
0: This is the fashion one, right? Is the my brain. Fashion one, yeah. Yeah, yeah really lots of color,
2: right? Lots of color lots of neon lighting kind of Argento sort of expired-esque lots of weird fashion and just beautiful shots, the story's okay, I think if it didn't have such a stunning visual, I don't know how popular the movie would be but that is one movie where it's visually absolutely stunning I've, yeah, it was okay. Natasha, yeah. Natasha Breuer who shot that movie
0: yeah I remember it being really, really pretty, but I remember and I apologize to the filmmakers who me. I remember being very bored but finding it very beautiful.
2: yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah I think that's a good description of it.
1: <laughs> I just had to look it up. I don't think I've ever heard of that movie, so i have to I have to maybe give it a shot or or maybe just to see how it how it looks
2: yeah uh, look at google images.
1: Oh, uh, and,
2: just... <laughs> and then you can get exactly what we're talking about and save yourself an hour and a half. Okay, all
1: yeah. right, there you go. I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> I love that. I, I want to know what else is on your film list now. What else are you hoping to see that you haven't yet?
2: Oh Christ! Okay, as a, I think Black Dynamite's on there a few times, but I've seen that. That's one of my favorite movies of the last few years. that's like a exploitation movie.
0: Okay, um, I look it up. Grindhouse
2: the exploitation, <laughs> black dynamite, comedy. It's got um, what's his name? Michael J. White, oh. and um, he's a director. 2009, and Scott Sanders directed it. It's got a lot of um B movie tropes and sort of Grindhouse. Like you got shots where the microphone just falls into shot, and it's just like he doesn't take himself too seriously. He Very funny movie. Mm. On my list, fuck. This goes back to 2014. A lot of it's filled in. I like to keep the stuff that's filled in. Okay. But um, that's Boot. Mm. Oh, I've seen Suspiria now. You hadn't
0: seen Suspiria. That seems like it's so up your alley.
2: I I saw it not too long after making this list. 2015. Mm. That's a visually stunning movie. That's... Inspired a lot of writing that I have done. That's probably a good question when you asked earlier what movies sort of inspired my style. Um, Suspiria and movies have been inspired by Sus- Suspiria. Just stunning. Uh, yeah, loads of stuff. Chi, <laughs> Train to Busan.
0: Oh, you haven't seen Train to Busan?
2: No, no, I think I've bought it twice. And um, happened.
1: Uh, I a, think you would like that if you like the zombie feel. Like that's
2: that's a good yeah. one. Yeah, it's meant to be one of the best ones of the last ten years. It's, yeah.
0: yeah, definitely will rekindle your zombie child happiness. Mm-hmm.
2: Waiting for good dog. Loads, loads of movies. Saisu, so The Last Tycoon, The Last Voyage of Dimitri is the Dimitri's one I'm really looking forward to. The one set on a um, Dracula movie set on a boat.
0: Yeah, Chris was telling me about this. Have you seen that? Is is it out yet?
2: It's been out in cinema. I don't think it's out on Blu-ray yet. Yeah, it's, I think it's. I don't think. I think it's in between
1: video on demand and the movie theater at this point, or at least here's how we call it: video on VOD. But yeah, Have I yeah it? definitely want to I, I want to see it. I, I think I've seen pieces of it. Um I've not sat down and, and really kind of shut away the world and, and watched it yet. So
2: Yeah, I i, I from, that. From the um stills I've seen of the movie and the trailer, it looks absolutely beautiful. Like it's just yeah. stunning looking film. Which is um yeah, I'm very much looking forward to watching that a, a, probably a few times I'm anticipating. Yeah. That, that finally comes up properly in England, because it had a very short run in England. I think it was like a weekend or two. Oh.
1: I don't think it, it was very long here either, honestly. COVID's messed up all the runs here for movie theatre runs. I feel like a lot of times they're just going to try to get the big money up front first couple of weeks and then try to get you to buy the movies at home because people are like, oh, I could spend less money and sit at home.
2: Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a that's a shame. Really, because there's something about the experience of the actual cinema itself. I agree, but you can't really unless you've got the money for like a home cinema, you can't really get the same experience. Like I've got a soundbar at home with subwoofer, and it really elevates the sound base from, um, from the TV. I can't watch. If I'm going around somebody's house, or um, i I try not to. If I haven't got a decent sound system, I won't watch any movies I haven't seen before. Oh wow! Because I know it will ruin the experience because not having the full range is really anal and really pickety, but I just find it just ruins the experience for me.
1: I agree with that no i told i I like to watch my movies we have a, a our third floor just like kind of a converted attic, but it it gets dark enough um I've got some LED lights so you cannot trip down the stairs, but I have that sound bar and, and, and subwoofer as well. I like to turn it up. I liked it to be dark. Yeah. But I also have kids and dogs, and and I don't want to be interrupted. If I'm watching a movie, I want it to be – and if i at the movie theater, I'm not interrupted unless it's somebody on a phone or something. But it's not asking me to go do something, so – I've, I Also, we grew up... Laura and I both... I mean, our family was big movie theater people. Like, like once a week, um, we would go see something. And we were always seeing, like, the opening nights of... Or opening weekends of whatever movie. I love going to
2: the movie theater. I, th-
1: I still think it's a fun time out.
2: It is. I completely agree with you there. Uh, it's something else. It's a... It's a, it's a shame that... Not, I found... A lot of, um, oh, this is an old man yells at Cloud moment. But a lot of people younger than myself, a lot younger, more interested in watching a review in a mo- of a movie, like a three hour YouTube video. I've literally had conversations with people who are like 18, 19, and they'd say, I'd much rather watch a three hour review of a film than watch the 90 minute f- film by itself. Cause mm-hmm. I get more from it. They talk about all the, you know, all the deeper meanings and stuff that I would have missed had I have not watched the review, and it's just like you're not experiencing it for yourself it's just a very different that's not everybody, but it's a minority but it's very different to actually experience it where it's intended, not on your phone not on a laptop, but either a nice sound system to so something where they can actually hear the bass at least mm. or in the cinema, where you can be fully absorbed into it you're not distracted. You can just lose yourself in it.
0: Totally. Do you, when you're, because obviously indie films, it's a lot harder to have that sort of theatrical release if you ever get it in a theater. Does that mean you kind of prefer to see your films in a festival so you can see it like that?
2: Um, if I can get hold of it, I will, if I can get hold of a copy of the film, I will watch it in the cinema um, one evening if it's available and invite a few other people. Um, otherwise yeah though a lot of festivals unless it's in a cinema some festivals unless it's in a cinema don't really have decent sound and I feel like it's an inferior experience like I'm not going to name any festivals but there's some where it's it just feels like you're not getting the most out of it because they didn't have a good sound system but that's, that's literally something that's just me and my very particular ways when i used to do um before i went off to uni to do film um i did sound production um music and that really made me fully aware of sound design as a whole which is my something i really love when i'm making a movie is doing the sound design because you just get like way creative and just get into like this headspace where you just get lost. What is Def, definitely that. go ahead.
0: No, I was just gonna ask, is there is there a film that's a really good one to if you're into sound design that's well worth watching to hear? Because I don't know if I've noticed as much as I should oh, have.
2: I would say Katernica <laughs>
0: Yes. Excellent.
2: I'm really proud of the, the composer on that is fantastic. Um but I'm really quite proud of some of the sound design on it because it would just be taking sounds and really editing them to get this weird, like, atmospheric m- tone. quite interesting. And you hear, I try and uh, go for sound in a different sort of approach, not exactly what you're expecting. A fantastic movie for sound would be like, Top Gun Maverick, like oh. the sound design from that is absolutely phenomenal. Like just the jet engine noises. If you hear, I saw that in IMAX, and the sound, you just get so absorbed into everything. Like the audio is well mixed, you can hear it, and you can hear the jet engines at the same time. Or like um, the Batman, I think the sound design for that is underrated. There's all these little particularly with the car, um, when the car's going off, you've got all these, like, dozens of sounds all combined just to make the sound of the engine. Like, the roar, of not just the roar of the engine, it's switching on, the wheels moving across in a subtle way, depending upon where it is on the screen. The idea with good editing and good sound design is you don't recognise it. Because mm. when you do see it, you're taken out of the movie. And unless there's, like, an artistic reason for you to be looking at this movie... Through an objective lens, like, unless you're like studying it, you're, you know, not really gonna enjoy it. It's kind of defeating the point. Movie is you're there to be absorbed and enjoy it, basically. But yeah, the Batman, Dune, they're mm-hmm. fantastic ones of the most recent years. Sorry, I have, I, on my own browser, I've got Libra up. Which when we don't know Libra, there's lots of maggots. <laughs> and, Every time I go onto it, it doesn't matter what page, for some reason, this main one is a sort of um, a naked woman with maggots all over her. So every time I skip over to my browser to look at something to reference, that just calms up in my face and it's terrifying every time. <laughs>
1: no. I, I just, I just, I was talking to Lauren about this, uh, maybe a week ago, I bought the, the Dean of the Dead holiday special. Oh, yes. And is it now, is Libra and Valentine's Day
2: connected? They're the same... It's the same thing. same thing. Yeah, it's a love story. It, it, about it, it, man it, and wife and eternal love.
1: And maggots. A and lot maggots. of maggots. It,
2: it's, it's, <laughs> basically, he's having a freeway with maggots and his wife. <laughs> <laughs> or like a million way, because
0: there's a lot of maggots. It's
2: not yeah. like yeah. a one. Yeah, it's, a, it's an orgy. <laughs> I, that film, it wasn't until about six months after um, we had it screen at dark fest did i realize that we're heavily indicating that he's about to have sex with her at the end of it like how did you not her, realize <laughs> because i'm i've been watching this so objectively that literally what's on the screen is what i'm i'm so removed from it it's like it's broken my soul some of those shots like <laughs> having like there's the scene in there um um uh, this is definitely not going to get you like a, a PG, this is definitely not PG thirteen podcast now if it wasn't before. But there's a sequence in there that still haunts me to this day, um, where Mike, the guy in it, he's a quick synopsis of the movie. He's walking around his flat naked, and he's what Magus, is picking up, and he's putting them on some, them on some scales. Um, and he is the a shot where he stands up, so the camera's like here. He's like here and he's naked so he's sitting down and then he stands up and his cock moves into frame I'm in a 50 mil so i have got quite a good cl- close up of his so his penis is basically like there in my face and then he just pulls his foreskin back and there's maggots coming off <laughs> and I'm gagging because this is in my face like right here ruin the t- ruin the take because oh, no. I'm doing it handheld And I moved the camera doing it, so (laughs) I had to do, we had to do it again because we watched it back and it was ruined, so I had to have these maggots coming at me again, but yeah, so that movie is a a love story. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. That was the scene I think I texted you, Lauren, and was like, so I watched it, (laughs) I hadn't even finished it yet, I was like, wait a minute, what the hell am I watching here?
2: (laughs) Yeah. So I've kind of desensitized myself to a lot of that movie. Mm-hmm. Um not intensely, but you watch it so much. And I just never I probably knew early on that we're heavily indicating that he's having sex with his wife at the end. But I just didn't catch on, even though the fact he like cresting her breasts. We're thinking about suiting that was um um she's completely naked in the movie, um, head to toe. And in the stomach, there is like a cavity where the maggots are. But what we also put, to get the maggots like a bit more alive, if they was kind of dead, we put like a worm in there, a couple of worms, and they all start wriggling about. But the thing about being naked is, and maggots, is maggots like to crawl about. And they like to crawl about into crevices if they can.
0: Oh my God, Baz, was she okay?
2: She was fine.
0: Yeah, they didn't get in
2: anywhere, but they got intimate, and she was a very professional, and wow. nothing got anywhere. But I didn't realize that until watching it back, and I was like, Is that a maggot in there? And there's, yeah, he uh, <laughs> never said oh. anything, so he just, you know, just got on with it, just got on with her job. Mm. But yeah, it's tough. <laughs> she paid a good course. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> I mean, playing corpse is a hard thing.
0: It's impossible. I don't. I don't mean to talk at all about myself, but we were shooting a, a scene, rabbit, and then there was like some other scene that was being shot afterwards, and they needed a dead body, and and I I slipped in to do it, and they just had a sheet over me, and the sheet gets pulled back, and that was it. I don't know if you remember this, Andy, but I couldn't stop breathing. I couldn't yeah. stop breathing. It's so, like, you can hold, you think you can hold your breath. You can't.
2: No, the, the trick, I don't know if there's a trick. I've never had to do it on screen, but I've been told one of the things to do is just try to keep your body as still as possible and just slowly breathe. Okay. Like have your mouth slightly open, just slowly breathe in and out.
0: Okay. Next time, sure. I will do that.
2: It's, I think it must, just just then, it's quite relaxing. But yeah, Biz did that for a good two minutes but she held her breath initially um which was crazy like that's some impressive lung capacity there like yeah, yeah.
0: with She's maggots on you off. like well done this. Yeah, yeah she deserves
1: Honestly. any award that they have like to get, get them all clear clear yeah. them up
2: if the oscars had a maggot trophy that she would get it <laughs>
0: Suggest a new category. <laughs>
2: There's um, Don't have you seen? Don't sit on her face. Yeah, I one, have. Um, I have, have not. Okay, that is it's a that is a, a show, uh a fake trailer that goes into the video sock Towers of Terror. I think, I think it's one of the, the early ones in a film, and it's just got this guy's got a drill coming out of his mouth, and the thing is he's going around killing people with it, and he's like, "Don't sit on his face." and we got this bit in there where she is um her vagina is getting drilled with a drill and it's not a not a real vagina we use a fake one but it was oh, its like 3 o'clock in the morning and we was all absolutely exhausted and then she's got the, holding the fake vagina in front of her eff, wearing underwear everything's covered up and everything and then there's this, Tony's face is just off camera just cold in the drill, going in and out, and the blood's pouring out, really visceral, and it's just really fucking surreal and hilarious. And she's just, I mean, she's a very good actress. She just more than these bits. She does lots of theatre, fantastic. I just want to point them out this she's more than just a body to put maggots and drills in. She's fantastic, but she just, I don't know if I could do that. Mm. I don't know if I could do what a lot of actors would do
0: to be fair I don't Memorized know if I can sit I with maggots this close to my face with the camera so I think it's a bit yes. of a body swap yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well I've, I know we've taken up a ton of your time um I I really one it was great meeting you and, and talking with you and I appreciate just you listening to like, especially my uneducated questions and and answering those and telling us a little bit about it. It sounds, your work sounds fascinating to me. Like, I I really appreciate you you sharing that with us.
2: Well, thank you. No, it's it's good. I very much enjoyed being here and chatting with you guys.
0: Thank you so much. I wanna make sure before we go, we ask if there's anything that you want us to look out for of your work that's coming up, anything that people should be looking out for
2: there's a lot um the witches of the sands coming out in a couple of weeks um...
0: <laughs> that's a joke everyone it's not, <laughs> it's, not a
2: joke. it's a surprise launch at dark fest. <laughs> um definitely a joke um or is it why are you to the dark fest now and find out um Rabbit. I'm very much looking forward to Rabbit to come out. And we've got Rabbit. Yeah, Rabbit's coming out in Horoscopes too um, at Horrorfest in January. Videoshop ones out on Blu-ray in a couple of weeks. Caternica's come out. Um, I think it's now released on Blu-ray. Um, Dean of the Dead Presents Holidays is out. I think there's... I've got a few movies out next. I don't know when the other movies are coming out like The House of Zombies Built art of abuse other movies of sorts
0: we'll make but, sure yeah. that as you get those dates we'll pop them on our facebook we'll pop them oh, on our instagram um, yeah yeah excellent well thank you again so much andy we had a lot of fun you put an amazing cinematographic if that is a word set together for us and so we appreciate it, is it. Now.
2: We love thank it. you <laughs> thank you i was hoping to get a, yeah i'm happy with it, <laughs> it
0: that's very impressive it was the
2: pilot of my weekend <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, and then finally, of course, thank you, listeners, for joining us. We are partway through our week. Continue listen. We have uh, James is next on tomorrow and has done some work with Andy, including Katernica, so you get to hear a bit more about that. And we look forward to seeing you next time. If you want to share your thoughts about this episode, please head to our Facebook or YouTube pages. We're grateful to Kukurbit who made our music. Thank you for listening, and please join us next time for the London Horror Movie Club.